Welcome to Interparty Conflict, the podcast where we answer your questions so you can have the best tabletop gaming experience possible. My name is Gabe. And my name is Jeff. And today, this is a very special occasion because we have been podcasting for 52 weeks. Woo! So, to celebrate the occasion, we have a very special guest with us. I'm Justin from the Crit Academy. Yes, thank you so much for joining us, Justin. I figured uh, I wanted to do something special for this episode, so what better uh, person to have on than you? Oh, well, thank you. I can feel the love. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So for today's episode, we're going to do things just a little bit different. We don't have listener-submitted questions for today. Instead, what we're doing is every week since we started the podcast, I've been putting a discussion question on our subreddit, on our Facebook page, on our Twitter you know, those sorts of things. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go through those questions, the three of us. So basically it's like a year in podcasting, a year in review. We're going to be going through some of these questions that I've come up with and, uh, you know, hopefully get some some quick, fun discussion out of it. Before we get into all of that, let me ask, uh, Justin, how are you doing today? I am doing awesome, Gabe. Thank you for asking. <laughs> No problem. <laughs> I'm coming off of a high from a, a, a listener, uh, a patron of ours just ran an adventure last week for us. And uh, I have not come down from that cloud of awesome uh, yet. Well, that's really cool. That's really cool. I know you you did mention that there's going to be a game going on and I, I wanted to, but I've just, I don't know, I've had a lot of had to get done this week and I still have a lot I do need to get done before I go back to work next week. And uh, I don't know, just wasn't just wasn't too convenient for me. Yeah, between holidays and stuff like that. Yeah, sometimes just not in the cards. Right, right. Uh, so Jeff, how are you doing this week? Um, just kind of been uh, a lazy holiday for me. Yeah, kind of a uh, a little out of sorts. My like my back is out, so mm, I'm not yeah. I'm not able to like get around too much. But I mean, I don't really do a whole lot that involves physical activity anyway. So. Sure, sure. So it's not it hasn't been too bad. Okay, but. Well, I'm very glad to have both of you here. Um, this has been a really fun year for us uh, mm-hmm. with this podcast. Oh, yeah. And Justin, I, you know, I'm I'm super appreciative that we met you during that year, and I'm glad that we got to I got to be on your podcast. You got to be on ours. I'm glad uh, glad that we met. I'm gonna have to have you on more often. Absolutely. Um, I, I guess for me, you know, pretty much just the same same stuff as you guys have just been busy with with uh, stuff between the holidays. You know, visiting family, having family come visit us, cooking a lot of food. Oh, oh, I made another turkey. Uh huh. This one turned out pretty darn good. Good. <laughs> I figured out, I figured out the way to do it. I can't try and cook it. Actually, cook it in the smoker. What I have to do is put it in the smoker for like an hour and a half, and then put it in the oven for the rest of the for like you know three or four hours. Okay. Then it comes out mwah, perfect. It's <laughs> so good. So that way you're using the smoker to get the flavor you want, and then you're just cooking it in the oven. Nice. Exactly. I will try it again once it's not you know, 15 degrees outside. Sure. But so far I've, I've had very, very little luck with it actually trying to cook it in there. Mm. So for the time being, that's, that's what I'm going to do. I, I tried asking my dad about it, but like, he was like, oh, I, I cheat. I use an electric one. <laughs> right. Like, oh, right. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, I guess you guys want to go ahead and get into the episode. Sure. Gabe. Yes. Jeff. Uh-huh. It's been a long night of adventuring. You're traveling through the woods, looking for a good opportunity to camp and off in the distance. You're distracted. You see floating orbs of light that have grabbed your attention. And unfortunately, your curiosity has gotten the best of you. What are these lights? Mm. So you chase them down. And as you get closer and closer, you start to hear giggling. (laughs) You know, high-pitched squeals. You get closer and closer. 
Give me a dexterity saving throw. Oh, gosh. Okay, for myself, I rolled a 10. Okay. I'm not super deck. Oh, no. (laughs) Jeff, what's that number that you just got? I rolled a one. All right. So as you guys are chasing this, uh, these glowing lights, these lanterns, you're not paying attention to your footing. And you step into a pile of quicksand and your bodies are being sucked underneath. You're grabbing at vines and trees and at each other, fighting and trying to pull yourselves out. But unfortunately, you can't. And as you take your last deep breath and you drop falling falling until you hit with a loud crash into a solid ground you guys have stumbled into the dragon's horde awesome it was great if that uh quicksand was that uh that oh, the, quick, the quicksand cloak that's where i thought you were going with that for a moment the quicksand cloak that also has a dragon's horde inside of it <laughs> that would be pretty awesome that'd be cooler i wish i would have thought of that that'd be like a Bl- yeah. uh, what blue dragons they're the ones in the uh, uh yes blue dragons are in the in the desert in the desert all right uh so for this one um like i said before we're kind of going to be doing this a little different than normal one of our questions in fact the second discussion question that i put up was what is your favorite magic item now we um i think jeff and i kind of i think we might have discussed our favorite magic items on our 20th episode we kind of did a bunch of like little favorites on that episode mm-hmm. but uh you know basically just Briefly, if each of us want to talk about a magic item that we like, I think that'd be uh, something cool to do. Sure. Okay, uh, so Justin, you want to go first? Sure. Um, Now, this was an item that was made by a a friend of mine um, who ran a game a while ago. He called it the Banshee Shriek. This was a long, uh, weapon was a long sword. The hilt of the sword is made from the skull of a small banshee, still wrapped in pink flesh. This weapon is fueled by the spirits of long dead demons in order to... Uh, power its attacks. This abil- this sword has ability called wail. It can use once a day. The the banshee's face and the hilt releases a mournful wail. This wail has no effect on constructs or undead. All other creatures within 30 feet of you uh, that can hear it must make a DC constitution saving throw of 13. If that creature has less than 100 hit points on a failure, a creature drops to zero hit points. On a success, Ooh. a creature takes 3d6 or 10 psychic damage. Additionally, any creature who failed the check has its soul sucked into the hilt to be devoured by the Banshee. The caster may roll up to one-fifth its maximum hit die immediately. Wow. Yikes. That's pretty cool. So you so you, you do this wail with the weapon, and then the targets have to, they have to make a save, or either die, or take a bunch of damage, and then the, the wielder gets hit points back. Is that correct? Yes. Now, the problem with this weapon is is that it's any creature. (laughs) So not only can it only be used once a day, but it'll probably take out your allies as well. Wow. Um, So it was designed with the idea that it was a last-ditch effort if we were surrounded uh, by enemies and we had nothing else to lose. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very dangerous. um, One time I did lose an ally to using this, but we were outnumbered and we weren't, we made a bad decision and we were going to die. And this is the item that kind of saved the day. (laughs) A couple of us made it out, but uh... yeah, that's, that's really cool. That's a neat item. It's got some really cool flavor to it. And uh, yeah, I love you said that um, you said that the hilt was made of a skull. Yeah. Of a banshee. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I just think it's cool to have, it's got a powerful ability, but 
it can affect your allies. So it's not something that you use often. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. It almost reminds me of in the Sword Coast Adventures Guide, the Way of the Long Death, the monk archetype in there. They have an ability that makes enemies run run away in fear. But I realized after reading it that it's it's not just enemies. It's anyone who can see them. Yeah. <laughs> so similar similar thing. It's a powerful ability, but it's it's very limited in that you can't really use it when you're in a party very much. Right, right. Okay, uh, Jeff, did you have an item you want to talk about? It could be a homebrew one. could be one from the <laughs> Dungeon Master's Guide, whatever. Well, I like the, I like the old classic, the Handy Haversack. Yeah, yeah. I've been... I've been really, I've been really needing a new backpack lately. So, okay. So that's like that's when I, th- I was thinking magical items. So like I usually like the more mundane ones because mm-hmm. just the ones that are, I don't know, they're just they're just more like quality of life stuff. Sure. Or, sure. Or, and you can always find like creative ways to to use them, you know. But I mean, something like a, the handy haversack, or you know, it's 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 not quite as expensive as the the, uh, the bag of, bag of holding. Mm-hmm. Um, has more, you know, more, you know, can hold more than like a normal, you know, backpack obvi- or, you know, a, a pouch or whatever. And it's also, it's, it's easier to use. Cause like in third edition, it took yeah. a free action to retrieve an item as opposed to like a standard action or something. Yeah. So weird thing in fifth edition, the handy haversack is more rare than a bag of holding hmm. and thus would cost more despite the fact that in as written, the handy haversack has no advantage over the bag of holding in in fifth edition huh. because both both of them have the same text for what uh, what kind of an action it takes to retrieve something. Interesting. It's weird. It's I feel like it's got to be a typo, but it hasn't been fixed after all this time. Sure. Okay. So so to specify the the third edition third edition here's handy haversack. Handy Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, well, we may be talking about bags of holding again in a little while for a different question. Oh, sure. Spoilers for later in the episode when we may or may not talk about <laughs> least favorite magic items. Uh-oh. But, yeah, the, uh, every char- I mean, every character I've ever made has had right, a handy exactly. haversack of some kind. Yeah, you, you kind of you have to. If you, if you got the gold, you might as well, because, like, when are you not going to want to take something out of your bag as a move action or free action exactly. or whatever. Exactly. And especially in a, in a campaign where you're getting like a lot of money and stuff, that's going to be something you're going to buy. Or you might even just find one depending on the, the campaign. Yeah. I, I really could use one in, in real life. Cause I keep, <laughs> I keep losing stuff. I like, eh, I keep losing stuff in, in a, it's a, it's a backpack. It, yeah. It's not, it hasn't gone far. I just can't <laughs> find it. Right. See, you know, I, I like the, the bag of holding, but I also think that it takes away some of the opportunities and that's why I don't think I've, I really give those out anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can, I can understand that. Okay. Uh, well for myself, I'm going to go with an item that actually our good friend Chris made. Oh, Chris sound here. Dang. (laughs) Um, there was, there was a campaign. I, I think it might've been the Ichi campaign. Ichi sound here. I don't know. I, it might have been the Ichi, the Ichi campaign. It might have been the one right after it. But whatever the case, there was a campaign where Chris was running and he gave my character a bow that was called Theralar's Fist. Hmm. It was a great bow. So it was like a long bow, but it did a little bit more damage. And back in third edition, uh, it was sorry, it was a composite, a composite great bow. Mm-hmm. In, back in third edition, composite bows allowed you to add your strength modifier to damage, which normal bows didn't. Mm. However, each one had a maximum you were allowed to use. So if you had a plus two strength bonus 
and you found a plus one, like a, a composite longbow with a maximum strength bonus of plus one, mm. you only got to add plus one to your damage. You didn't get to add plus two. Sure. Well, Theralar's Fist was a longbow, it was a great bow that had no maximum on the strength. Mm. So in other words, like someone with a plus five strength could get his full benefit out of it. A plus 10 strength, if such a thing existed, could get the same, you know, the, the, the full benefit out of it. And it was, so it was a really, really simple item. It was just a bow that didn't have the r restrictions that other bows had. But the fact that it was called Theralar's Fist, mm -hmm. that made it even cooler. Yeah. And then this same bow showed up in various campaigns that we did. And then there was even a time where I was running a game, I gave Jay's character Theralar's Fist. <laughs> and not only that, but I had him meet someone who was related to Theralar. I think like he was, he was talking to some guy and the guy mentioned his son Theralar was a, was a ranger that had like just gone out into the world or something. Mm. Anyway, I just thought it's, it's a really cool, simple item, but just like a little touch of flavor to it can really make it, you know, make it something so much more than what it is. I've, I've heard I've heard you talk of this bow before, and I, every time I always picture, like, Green Arrow with, like, the punching, with, like, <laughs> yes. the, the boxing glove. Yeah. <laughs> so, you just got to put a boxing glove at the end of the arrow, and you can add your strength modifier. <laughs> there you go. I, I think in one of the campaigns, it wasn't a campaign where I gave it out, but it was a campaign where I was running one of the sessions, and so one of the players used it, and I described... I described pulling back on the string as if it was like warping reality just a little bit because you know it was it was it was allowing someone to use such a powerful strength that a bow technically shouldn't be able to use. Mm. So like it's almost like the reality itself is warping as they as they draw that string back. You're pu you're punching the arrow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> giving it a little extra boost. Right. Okay. Uh, well, I think that'll do it for the Dragon's Horde. So once again, we covered uh, the Banshee Shriek, the Handy Haversack, mm -hmm. and Theralar's Fist. And uh, I think those are some cool items. Yep. All right. So Jeff, if anybody wanted to submit magic items for us to discuss or stories for the Funeral Pyre or questions for us to discuss, how would they do so? They can send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. All right. And I'm sorry, Justin, I'm sorry we didn't do this earlier. Why don't you tell people about Crit Academy? Oh, um, if you don't know about Crit Academy, obviously you guys talk about it regularly now. Um, sure. <laughs> our show is a weekly Dungeons & Dragons podcast uh, where we provide guidance to our heroes and hopefully deliver new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Uh, we hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Cool. And yeah, I think you guys do a great job at that. You are currently going through uh, like a, a class by class coverage of Xanathar's Guide to Everything, which is really, really cool. Yes, we have uh, a couple different subsets of our show. This one's our class analysis, and it uh, appears to be some of our uh, listeners' favorites. So that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I really like it. I really liked when you guys did the um, classes from the Player's Handbook, and now you're doing the Xanathar's Guide. Um, all right, you guys want to go ahead and get into some questions? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so our first of many questions today, uh, what is your favorite class to play and why? Yes. Justin, you want to go first? Um, sure. And uh, uh, I know Joe listens to this and a couple of our, uh, several of our other listeners, so I'm going to have to backpedal on something I just told him. Because he, he, <laughs> he recently asked me, oh, is Barbarian your favorite class? And you know what I told him? No, Wizard is. But you know what? I think yeah. I think I'm finally making the shift. Up until recently, the wizard was always my favorite, but now I've gone with being a barbarian or a straight fighter. Um, 
personally because I feel like I've got way more control over what I can do uh, mm -hmm. it, when it comes to interacting directly with the environment. Um, as a barbarian, I can grab a guy, slam him against the wall. I can kick him to the ground, smash his face into a counter. I can toss him in a cart. I can pick up a cart, smash him, you know. Interacting with the environment, I get a lot of fun out of, and I find that when I play like a, a direct fighter or mauler class or brawler, I really feel like I get more of that. And so I'm starting to go from the wizard being my favorite with creativity is now the the fighter and barbarian, barbarian specifically. Yeah. yeah, I kind of had a similar thing. Like I, for a long time, wizard or sorcerer, probably sorcerer was my favorite. But uh, now I, I, you know, ever since fourth edition, I really got to say that I like, I really like playing just like an up in your face fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, I always loved the idea of playing a monk, but I've never actually gotten to play one long enough for it to be worth it. Sure. Yeah, for me, uh, a similar thing where it's like I've always liked Ranger. Mm -hmm. It's my it's my favorite idea of a class, but favorite class to play. I gotta go with everybody else. It's like it's like a like a like a fighter or like a fighter or barbarian. I th I want to say. Probably closer to fire fighter, at least when I'm thinking of like third edition and stuff like that, which is what mm -hmm. I played the most. Yeah, uh, you know a lot of like a lot of the later books, like this uh, the the second uh, players man uh, players handbook. Mm -hmm. You got like a bunch of a bunch of new feats and stuff like that, like and then like complete warrior, complete warrior things like that. Like ev like eventually they made it like you could make a like an incredibly like focused fighter and like with you know who could do like amazing feats you know feats as in <laughs> like feats of of skill and feats such. of skill and strength not the feats in the book but <laughs> right right but i but i do remember you know uh making a uh making a fighter we, we were doing like epic levels or something like that but mm -hmm. i like i took that i took as much as i could out of those books to build like this like perfect fighter who could wield a two-handed hammer and like just you know just hit somebody once and send them knock flying. them across the room yeah yeah so that was that was that's a that's a lot of fun <laughs> yeah and it's funny because the more i read i hear, i read a lot of people saying that the fighters and the barbarians are some of the most boring classes but i really think that that comes down to play style if you just say yeah i attack and roll your dice and you're done yeah that's pretty lame but if you start thinking about all the things you can do outside of just saying I swing my weapon, you can have so much fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's when you're given, it's when you're given less options that you get more creative. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I just had my uh, barbarian that I just played last Wednesday. His name was Z Zazu and he was a little goblin barbarian grappler and they get, yeah. and one of the players gave him fly. So he grabbed two guys and flew up as high and then dropped them and then power bombed himself on top of another one. So, <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. All right. Um, I guess let's go to the next one. Let's see. Uh, aside from D&D, &D, what other tabletop role-playing games have we played? Um, I personally, I've so I've played D&D. &D, I've played my brother's game, The Mountain Witch, mm -hmm. which we've talked about in previous episodes. I've played Mutants and Masterminds, which is another D20 system. I've played very, very briefly... The uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Other Strangeness role-playing game. <laughs> I played, there's a game called Dogs in the Vineyard, which is a, it's a, it's a more narration-based role-playing game where you are, you play as like cowboy missionaries. <laughs> um, I feel like there's others. I'll, they'll probably come to me uh, as, as. <laughs> Is that like uh, Nicholas D. Wolfwood in Trigun, where he's the he's the priest, but he's got a giant cross that's loaded with like pistols and stuff? <laughs> oh, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. In this game, like you, everybody starts off with a gun, and then you can have like 
a knife and then all, all of the things. Then you have like a bunch of skills, all of your skills and all your weapons and whatever. They just add to your dice pool. So like anytime, if you are ever in a situation where having a gun would be useful, you roll that die along with everything else. If you're ever in a situation where like the fact that you're a missionary would be useful, you roll that along with everything else if hmm. you, and so on and so on. So if there is there a time when you're... Your gun is useful as well as the fact that you're a missionary. Then you roll, you roll all of them. Nice. Yeah. So like, it's kind of, you try to come up with ways to explain why this would be useful in the current situation. <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about you guys? Jeff, you want to go first? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, my, my, my list is kind of short. <laughs> uh, D&D for sure. I played, uh, does Pathfinder count? No. Yeah, sure. Actually, I mean, actually, yeah. technically, I don't know if I ever played a full session of Pathfinder. Oh. Um, I think I did like, I think we did like an online thing or something once. Anyway. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, the witch is dead, which is oh, yeah. uh, the, the one page adventure by um, Grant Howitt from uh hardy dice friends. Right. Um, uh, I also, I think I, I played like a little bit of the, uh, the mountain witch. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think of anything else. Honestly, I can't think of anything. <sighs> I'm sure there's like a couple other Little ones that I maybe played like one session of, but they're I'm sure. blanking on them. I've been, I've sat I've sat in and watched. Um, I cannot think of the name of it, and I might have discussed it at one point, but it was, it was like, it was it was like anime themed. What's that? Big eye, small mouth. Big eye, small mouth. Oh. <laughs> is is that what it was? I don't, I don't know. Okay. okay. I, well, I I it was it was anime themed. You played a you you basically played a bunch of uh, anime women who were trying to please their master or something oh. like that. And it wasn't necessarily like as bad as it sounds, even sure, though sure. it could definitely get as bad as it sounds. <laughs> but, but it, like, I think it was like, you're like, but you were, you were all like action heroes. And it was, it was very, it was, it was very like, um, theater, theater of the mind and like role playing mm-hmm. it. Like there wasn't a whole lot of stats to it. It was more just trying to like, do ridiculous things uh to complete the 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 mission or whatever and then like the more ridiculous thing you did like the more likely you were to gain favor of the master or something like that sure it was it was very interesting to watch it, like they they played like a session of D and then they were like okay to wind down let's play this g- goofy game <laughs> yeah so so like i can't remember the name of it but i that 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 one i remember i remember the game i just don't remember what it was called yeah. It most likely was not this, but there is a there is a D twenty anime system called Big Eye Small Mouth. Okay, okay, that's all right. So, yeah, and it's very popular apparently. What about you, Justin? Um, I played a bit of Pathfinder. Um, not really my bag, but thirteenth uh, age. Um, I really enjoyed. I first played it at a convention, and I have to say, if there's one thing that I'm, I when you create your character, you have to pick uh, a group that you. Uh, you've got these different factions and you have to pick one that you're at least friendly with or neutral and another one that you're hostile towards and it affects your interaction, which I thought was really cool. Uh, I've played Feng Shui, which is very much like a martial arts Kung Fu movie esque RPG, which is very much get as creative as you want, which comes back to my love in the fighters and stuff because that, that whole role playing game pushes that, that theme is okay. What's in this room, and how can I use it to beat up the other guy? You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I've played a little bit of Shadowrun. I think that's a really, really cool game. Uh, oh, sure, Shadowrun. Gamma World. Have you heard of Gamma World? I've heard of it, but I haven't played it. Okay, so if you're a fourth edition lover, um, you have to try Gamma World. It's basically okay. the fourth edition rules set 
with a few little tweaks and these tweaks basically mostly start off in, in, in character creation where you, you have to pick your armor and your armor might be, okay, it's going to be a rubber tire. That's my armor. Or my <laughs> weapon is going to be, you know, a mailbox in this case, uh, you know? Yeah. And so it's very <laughs> post-apocalyptic, but <laughs> it's so much fun. And then the most recent one I played is Gateway. Um, if you've listened to our show, uh, Oricon's Lair started making his own game. So I've been playing with that and testing that out. It, and uh, I really enjoy that because it's very, uh, it's freedom based. You have so much uh, freedom to do what you want. And then the DM just interprets that. I want to cast Magic Missile. Okay, here's how it works. You know, and so sure. very, very entry level stuff. That's why it's called Gateway. But those are probably the ones that I've played that come right to mind. Cool, cool. I just remember two more that I have played. GURPS. I've played one session of GURPS. Of course, I've listened to a lot of GURPS because that's what the film reroll uses. But that's like a, it's a pretty popular generic universal role-playing system. That's what mm-hmm. it stands for. Sure. Um, another one that I've played is a game called Corellia, which was a role-playing game that a guy that I played with had designed. So like I played D&D with the guy who designed it and one session he ran a game of Corellia with us. Did you ever play Mutants and Masterminds? Yeah, yeah, I, I mentioned that. Did you? Okay, I, I, I must have spaced out on that. It's but yeah, right. that... That's one I, 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 I never actually played that one, but you guys had the books for it. So I remember yeah, like, yeah. I was like, oh, I want to make a superhero. I loved making characters in that game. Right. It's just like, yeah, picking powers from a long list. Yeah, yeah. sure. Fate Accelerated is really good, too. I played that a little okay. bit. That was a really good one. Uh, okay. So you guys want to go ahead and uh, go on to the next one? Yeah. All right. Next question is, what, what gaming podcasts, if any, do you listen to? Um, I probably listen to the most of them out of the three of us. I probably <laughs> listen to most of them out of... All of us, everyone, <laughs> everywhere, everyone. Um, I won't list all of them because there's there's a lot I listen to. But of course, you know, uh, Crit Academy, D and D Character Lab, um, Adventures in Aurelia. You know, those are those are like three of them that I make sure to listen to every time they come out. Mm-hmm. Um, Film Reroll, I've mentioned before. Adventure Zone is a good one too. Aside from that, I mean, like tabletop gaming, that's pretty much it. I also listen to like Retronauts, uh, like retro video games. Anything from duckfeed.tv, which includes like Watch Out for Fireballs, um, Abject Suffering, uh, Check It Out Comrade, mm. any any of their, you know, they've got so many podcasts, several of which are gaming related, some of which aren't. Um, <laughs> the Short Game is a good, another good video game one. Gabe listens to a lot I of podcasts. I do listen to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> uh, I'll take a break. I'll take a break if either of you guys listen to any that you want to mention. Um I, uh, too, listen, actually, I listen to a lot, not that many, not even close, but, uh, I listen to uh, a few D&D character lab, obviously interparty conflict. Um, some of my favorites though, uh, not that didn't come out, right? Um, some of my favorites <laughs> oh, that are, are actual play. I'm very, I'm a very big stickler for actual play just because I hate to listen to other people play. I know what you mean. And I feel so bad about it, but me too. It's <laughs> how it is. Um, God's fall. If you have not okay. listened to God's Fall, it in, by far, bar none, is the hot, most highly produced actual play podcast I have ever listened to. He does all the background audio, the spell effects, and it's all mm, perfect. Um, cool. I'll have, to, I'll have to give them a shot. Yeah. Like God's Fall? God's Fall, yes. It is without doubt. I mean, Matthew Mercer and Critical Role does a great job. Adventure Zone does a great job. But if you want to be immersed in a, an audio storytelling, like, book level stuff it's mm-hmm. it's it's up there okay yeah i'll have to i'll, to, I'll, I'll check them out on your recommendation yeah tell my son you over <laughs> <laughs> all right um i myself i listen to uh inner party conflict every once in a while yeah i've heard of them they're pretty <laughs> yeah. cool 
<laughs> yeah, like I'll, I'll, yeah, I, I won't always listen to the whole episode, but uh, yeah, no, no, that's, that's fine. <laughs> I, I always do because I always want to make sure that like there isn't some sort of huge audio error mm-hmm. halfway through or whatever. But uh, it's, it's always like I remember like a gag or something we did or like or like a, a sound that you were gonna put in that <laughs> I maybe haven't heard yet. So sure, <laughs> sure. But and then uh, you know obviously Crit Academy and 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 the uh, character labs are. I, I I I as much as I as much as I have space mm-hmm. to listen to podcasts I usually like I can never decide what what I want to listen to and I'm usually in the car when I'm listening to them sure and so like I because I'm driving most of my day like I have to like like sitting down to focus on like okay what what podcast or what like what episode I was like I'd rather just like hit a button and listen to music or something like that yeah, so I don't, yeah. I don't I, you know I don't listen to podcasts as much as I should for somebody who's in a podcast yeah um but uh but I mean yeah for as far as um I don't know the game ones go not not, not many no, <laughs> sorry that's, that's fine that's fine <laughs> I, like I I fully understand not everybody has 40 hours a week to listen to podcasts so well it's not, it's not like you have like all this free time it's just you have I have free ear time. Right, I, have, yeah. I have time where my ears don't have to be uh, devoted to anything. Yeah. It's actually kind of neat. The way that I have it set up is that like typically my first day that I work. So I work Wednesday through Saturday. Every Wednesday, that's like gaming day. So I listen to in alphabetical order. I listen to um, to Adventures in Aurelia and then Crit Academy, then D&D Character Lab, then Hardy. Oh, Hardy Dice Friends. I forgot to mention Hardy Dice Friends. Oh, of course. Hardy Dice Friends yes. and Inner Party Conflict. And then usually like Retronauts. The short game, whatever episodes, you know, are out. And then there will be like an episode, a week, a day of the week where, oh, this is the day where I listen to like horror type stuff. And mm. this is the one where I listen to like <laughs> TV show stuff. And so it's it's pretty cool. Gabe listens to so many podcasts. He, he puts them in alphabetical order well, and themes them by to, day. To be fair, they show up in Windows in alphabetical order. And my my MP3 player is really crappy. And so it it loads them up. In whatever order they were uploaded, I can I cannot listen to them in an order other than the way they I can't choose a separate order. Okay. They just play in order. So <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Next question: What do you consider the best alignment and why? I want to start off with this one. Go for it. I've been really liking Neutral Evil lately. Okay. I don't know why exactly. I I, I must have just been like the last description I read of it, but that that really like I was like because I always ignored all the evils mm-hmm. for the most part because I I usually like to play good characters. Yeah. But then I I was trying to you know I, as I'm coming up with more and more character ideas, I'm like, well, like I can't just make all good characters. I have to kind of branch out a little bit. And I was reading the descriptions, and it was like there was a character I was making. Uh, she was a she's a she's a halfling like wizard and actually I, I think she's a bard at this point I keep changing her anyway <laughs> uh, and like and like uh, she had a she had like very specific motivations and stuff like that and like you know trying to figure out like what alignment she would be and I thought what if I made her evil but she's not like bad she's just evil yeah like and I like neutral evil because it, I think it's in the fifth fifth edition description or something it's basically like it's it's you you do what's best for you yeah. You do what you want to do for you. And and I like I like that description because it's like you do evil stuff because you want to. It's like, no, you do what you want to do because it's what you want to do. It's it's a very selfish alignment. Mm-hmm. But I I I think it like I I just like the I like the idea of using it not necessarily to do evil things, but like because like selfishness is seen as a, an evil yeah. in a way. You know, it's it's on the evil side of the spectrum, but 
I don't know. I, I just, I, I really like neutral evil now because it's like, I, I, I want to make a, a D&D character who's selfish, not necessarily like, I don't want to play them selfishly. I don't want to be a selfish player, but I want to be, I want to make a selfish character because I've never really done that. I've always made like the selfless paladin or something like sure, that. So, sure. so neutral evil is my current favorite right now. That works. Yeah. Evil doesn't necessarily mean criminal. Right. Evil doesn't necessarily mean bad. It, like you said, could just mean selfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, Justin, what about you? What would you say is the best alignment? Um, I have to, I, I almost agree with him with neutral evil, but I even go one step further. I, I prefer lawful evil. Um, to me, any evil for that matter is a challenging uh, aspect of integrating my character with the party for whatever mm-hmm. uh, reasons that may be. And when I play a, a lawful evil character, I always try to uh, put them in a situation where their goal is to manipulate the party into achieving a goal that they think is good, but actually helps the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think a, a well-played lawful evil can be a huge asset to the party. Oh, mm. absolutely. Sometimes you got to do um, what you got to do to get stuff done. And if the party doesn't exactly. need to know about all of it, you know? <laughs> Um, I personally, I kind of, kind of going on a gradient here. I would say lawful neutral is what I would say is my, is, is my favorite. I think there's really something to be said about a character that is singularly devoted to a cause or to, to like one code. And it, it, you know, it sucks if it doesn't benefit the people that are in need, but it has to be done. Somebody has to do this. And, you know, if, if somebody's going to stick to what is what is their code, what is their way of thinking, then, you know, all the power to them. Yeah, yeah. right, right. I think that's interesting that uh, none of us were like, oh, uh, good, chaotic good, yes. neutral good. Nope. Neutral evil, lawful evil, lawful neutral. <laughs> and then for me, it might just be that I don't get to play that as often. And so it, it feels uh, different and exciting um, sure. and why I like it so much. Because, you know, you always play the good guy, you know, but my my lawful evil guys are good guys, too, just in a different way. <laughs> right, right. Oh, cool. They're, you know, they're good in their own mind, you know. Yeah. All right, next question. Does your group keep track of things like food, water, carrying capacity, cost of living, and how do you feel about it? Um, I'll say not unless I think, not unless that's what I want the struggle to be about. Sure. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. In fact, my answer depend depends on the adventure because I design entire adventures where that's important, while mm-hmm. other adventures it's not important. When you're stranded out in a desert and you're or you're crossing this desert that's supposed to say it takes away and kills everyone that enters it, they you need in order to make that real, you need to make those challenges about food, water, um, the crap they're carrying doesn't get lost in the transit. Um, cost of living if they don't have money to buy the equipment they need to go out i mean but other than that we don't focus on it all the time i mean i've you know i've never run a game myself but as as far as you know the way i want to play it i like i like the convenience of not having to worry about those things in in in, i'd say maybe most cases Mm -hmm. um but I love survival games. Sure. Like survival games is probably my like most played genre right now. I mean, it's one of the highest played <laughs> genres in the world right now. Right. But um, I love the idea of like survive, like playing a survival game and like having to like, for- like, like when you like, when you're going to forge for food, like in a D and D game, like, I, like I, I, I've, I've talked about characters I've made where I base it on an idea that just never comes up. Yeah. One of the one of the examples I always make is that is there's a ranger character that I eventually 
you know, stopped playing and went to the warlock in the um, Age of Worms campaign because he was because he was he was like his skill set was obsolete. Yeah, it, it like I was building him to be like a hunter gatherer survival guy, and it wasn't. It just wasn't. We we weren't using that, and like it wasn't being used in this in that adventure. Right. You know. So I like I like the idea of that stuff. You know, just if you know if that's yeah if that's the theme of the adventure or the campaign like even if it's just for an adventure like you do go through that desert mm-hmm. you know maybe the rest of the campaign you weren't really worrying about it but for that time sure uh what i would say in regards to carry capacity i have used that um not so much to track their equipment but if i've put extremely valuable items in uh mm-hmm. in dungeons in in ruins that they're extremely valuable but they couldn't get them out because they were too sure. heavy or too big yeah, yeah. There, there's always going to be exceptions. Um, yeah, like if 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 you you of course don't want the players like going overboard and be like, oh, I'll just take literally everything out of this yeah. dungeon. Then Every, then you got to do something anything that's not bolted down. Right. I think it was um, Jazad Rune where there was like paintings and stuff in a room somewhere. Yeah, in, in, yeah. There's an entire room full of paintings. Yeah. So we we're like, oh, you can't just you can't just like put that in a backpack. You you got to take it out one at <laughs> a time. Toss it in your bag of holding along with all your weapons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other time that I've used carrying capacity, as I mentioned earlier, if we were talking about the, the bag of holding, I don't usually give that out. And the mm. reason is, is, um, my character or my players, uh, have to have a place to store the stuff they can't carry. When I sure. give them 10,000 silver pieces, I could convert them, but sometimes they just go and grab the hoard to loot and take it back. Well, if they don't find a way to convert it, I don't automatically let them do that all the time. So now they've got these big stockpiles of coins that they got to do something with. So in mm-hmm. my cases, you know, in one adventure, we, in one campaign, we actually had banks, you know, something like that. But mm-hmm. they have to build strongholds or they have to build a place to store their stuff because I don't let them just carry all the gems and jewels that they want because yeah. it takes space. Other than that, I don't worry about it, but... <laughs> Chris had a character that was a half dragon. And so when the first time he ever got like 10,000 gold, I think it was, he got it all converted into copper and then he slept on it. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. Next question. Have you or has your DM ever twisted a wish spell against the player? Uh, What was the wish and how did it, how did it get twisted? And or why did you twist it? Yeah. Um, I personally have not ever personally had to deal with this either because we never got high enough level or by the time we did, everybody was too afraid to cast Wish. But uh, how about you guys? So I will say, Ryan, if you're listening, you're a dick. (laughs) We uh, were running uh, an adventure and we got to this, um, we found this Dijon and he was going to grant us a wish. And our goal was to slay the monstrous dragon on top. But he'll grant me a wish because of some good deed that I did along the way that wasn't really something that was expected of me right so it was kind of a oh you did this here you go and so i wished for the dragon to just disappear so we could go and save the maiden and blah 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 i see where this is going so we get up there i can see the maiden we dash towards the maiden and a big giant dragon breath comes out of nowhere and almost eviscerates or almost melts my face away yeah well, you said you wanted... I said I wanted him to disappear. Well, he did. He's invisible. I was like, that is not what I meant, and you knew it. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of making him go away, he made him invisible, which made that encounter way more difficult, and we died. So Sure, sure. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think I've ever... I don't think I've ever used a wish spell. The only... The closest thing is Steve used a lot of miracle spells, which works differently. Yeah, miracle does not uh, specifically work differently. Um, I've used a couple wish spells via a ring of three wishes, like mm-hmm. 
There, okay, there, during the EG campaign, there was a point where we got a whole bunch of money, and one of the things that I spent my money on was a Ring of Three Wishes. The DM, the guy, his name was John. He was the one that made my character start a war because I failed to save. He he was so good at using players' things against him, against them, that the first session after I, ha- after I got this Ring of Three Wishes, he put me in a situation where I had to blow through two of the three wishes. Oh, jeez. Just, just to survive the encounter. That's a, that's a neat way to give, uh, like, if you want to give your player a wish, uh, but you give them the Ring of Three Wishes and then basically make them have to use two of them. I mean, it's, it's not like, I doubt he was like, okay, I need to use up some, I need to make him sure. use these up. It's just he put me in a situation where... I, I had spent all this, so much of this money on Ichi's sword to make Ichi's sword really powerful. He made it intelligent, all this kind of stuff. And then the first thing that he did was cast grease on my sword. So when I tried to use it, it flew out of my hands. And then he had an enemy cast a wall of, a wall of force around it and then summon a rust monster into the room, into the wall of force with my sword. So my sword got destroyed. And so number one, before the sword got destroyed, I had to use a wall of, uh, use a, a a wish to try to get rid of the walls of force, which I did. But before I could get to my sword, my sword got destroyed. So I had to use a second wish to wish it back. That is a jerk move. Yes, it is. Why, why but, would you destroy? Ah, oh, that's but so mean. It's we were like nineteenth level. We had millions of gold. He did the best he could. Like that was that was everything was on the table as far as I was. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. So other than that, uh, I don't. Uh, the only times I've used wishes, everybody was was on the level with it. <laughs> Our next question. What mythological creature would you like to see in a tabletop game? Justin, you want to take this one? Yes. I would love to see Charybdis. Um, Ooh, if you do not know who Charybdis, Charybdis is, the book The Odyssey, uh, the sea monster Charybdis was believed oh. to live under a small rock on one side of a narrow channel. Opposite her was Scylla, another sea monster, the Hydra, right? That lived inside a much larger rock. The sides of the straits were, uh, were within an arrow shot of each other, and sailors attempting to avoid one of them would come into reach of the other to be. So the choice was stuck between do we fight Scylla or Charybdis? Mm-hmm. Charybdis was essentially this giant mouth thing in the water that would open up several times a day and would swallow everything. everything. Boats, water, rocks, other monsters, whatever was uh, nearby. And now I've tried to replicate this in uh, fifth edition. Uh, I don't feel like I ever get the result that I want. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I feel if there was an actual professional developer, it would probably be better. But this was always one of my uh, favorite things. I end up using a whirlpool or a, or an, an elemental, water elemental or something, but an idea of a monster that like literally doesn't move, it just occasionally opens up its mouth and sucks everything in, to me was just such a, a fun idea because you know it's there, but it's at a location where you know you need to get to, and it's really the only way across. And to me, that creates like a uh, an interesting story for like spe- especially like shipgoers or sea campaigns where there's this monster that just randomly just swallows stuff whole. And to me, that was always a really interesting monster. It's not in the DMG, and I really wish it was. And if you guys know where I can find a, another stat block for that, that would be fantastic. Sure. <laughs> and if if any of our listeners find one and they want to send it to you, how can they get it to you? Uh, yes, they can email it to me at critacademy at gmail.com. There you go. <laughs> nice. 
Um, yeah, that's that's pretty good. I I feel like uh, most of the I mean most of the things that I would have come up with for this would be probably from Greek mythology. Mm. Um, when I first posted this question, I want to say I had one specific thing in mind, but in preparing for this episode, I couldn't remember what it was. But thinking back now, I would say a mythological creature that I think would be really cool is also from Greek, from Greek mythology, and it's just kind of the idea of titans. I know that titans exist in D&D, like in third edition, there mm. was a, a an enemy called a titan, but it was basically just a really big humanoid that had magic powers. Mm-hmm. And I think that it would be really cool to make titans like they were in Greek mythology, where each of them had like, they were basically like uber gods. Mm-hmm. And so like how gods each have a portfolio with, you know, abilities and so on. So did the titans. And so I think it would be interesting to see like a super powerful group of beings, each of which has their own, you know, sphere of influence and so on. I think that would be something really cool to uh, to explore. Yeah. Um, we had a, a guest on for Two Minute Tabletop where he makes these maps. And I'm pretty sure that I talked to him about an idea he wanted to do where he wanted to draw giant Titan battle maps for people so they can battle on top of these giant monster Titans. And I think Ooh. combined with that would be just awesome. Yeah. Like uh, like uh, Shadow of the Colossus. Yes. Very much Shadow <laughs> of the Colossus. Speaking of very, very large uh, uh, myth, myth creatures. Uh, well, the, the, the Zaratan already exists okay. in, in D&D. Um, but... Uh, I don't know if there's ever been stats made for like the world turtle. Sure, sure. Uh, like or like um, at, at, I don't know how you pronounce it. Atuin from um, uh, Discworld, from oh, the Discworld series. This is the world the the world that they live on. Yeah, yeah the yeah. turtle on the turtle back. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, um, yeah. Basically, I always I always like the idea of having uh having like living on an island that's actually on a turtle, but even better, living on a like having a campaign that's based on basically Discworld or something sure, like that. Sure, sure. So, like, but, you know, uh, but yeah, kind of going with the Titan-sized or, map, you know, map-sized monsters. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> really really big turtle is where I'm going with this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why am I not surprised, I, I, You know, I'm full of surprises. There's I'm not surprises. There's not currently a book that has, like, deity stat blocks, right? Not for fifth edition, mm-hmm. no. I think that's a. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think that's actually. I think one of the other questions on here is PCs meeting or fighting gods, yay or nay. Um, and I've, if you don't mind, I, I'll, I'll mention that one. I think yeah. that when a deity has a stat block, anything that has a stat block can be killed. And I think that if your deity can be killed by being hit with a weapon hard enough, I think that they. That's. That's not really what most people expect when they see a deity. I think that there should be a way to kill a deity, but it should not be, uh, it should not be mechanics based. Sure. Yeah. Could be yeah, like story based or something. Yeah. In, in general, I think, I think that it's better when deities are divorced from the, the divorced from the game itself enough that a canny player or character might even ask, are they actually there? Sure. I mean, like, and I don't know the the idea of uh, deities in like D and D. Like, you can, you can go either way with it. Where I mean, like, you could go like the full pantheon, where like they ha- they are these like incredible beings with all these powers and these huge stat blocks and things like that. Or mm-hmm. they could like it, it could just be like extraordinary people who are who are like warships or something. You know? Yeah, that's yeah. cool. I like that. Uh, and like, I, I I think that's kind of what isn't that what you have going in in like in your 
like Gabe has like a, a campaign setting he's been working yeah, on. Yeah, sort of like that. In my campaign setting, well, the original idea was that gods did not actually exist. It was all myth, and the player, like all the characters that got powers from deities, were just getting power from their devotion to the deities. I've sort of evolved that idea a little bit to the point where there are beings out there that all of these legends came from. Some of them are, in fact, super powerful. Some of them do, in fact, still exist somewhere out there. But not a single one of them is exactly as the legends portray them. Sure. Right, right. To the point where there are two warring deities that have been warring for hundreds of years. Their churches have been fighting amongst each other and so on. There's all these legends about the two of them. And in the end the reader or the players or whatever would find out that they were actually based on the same person. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Different act, acts of the same person. Exactly. I think you've talked about that in the show before. Cause I recall, I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to deities, I had a uh, interesting uh, campaign where I ran where deities could be killed. The problem with the deities and why they seem so omnipotent is once somebody killed them, their essence overtook that more powerful foe. So mm. essentially they were, I would like poltergeist type beings where every time they were defeated, they would overtake this new person and acquire that person's experience. So thus, that's how they build up so much knowledge and power over time is because anytime somebody challenged them, they just took over that person and now they've got all their memories plus the, all, like, like the avatar type stuff where they've got all the, the previous knowledge of any uh, previous um, quote unquote heroes that conquered this deity, you know, sure, sure. and I ended up not liking that as much. The idea early on really, and maybe I just didn't flush it out enough, but mm-hmm. I always, you ever watch um, the Groundhog's Day? Very much like that. The guy's just oh, yeah. been around for so long that <laughs> that's oh, why sure. they feel like they know everything, you know? Right, right. Um, but, huh. Oh, man, yeah. Like, oh, man, Groundhog right. Day is an RPG. Right, yeah. I was, or I was thinking just like that, like that character, um, Bill Murray's character in a D&D campaign Mm-hmm. And he like he ba- and he basically like I don't like like people see him as a deity or something like that. Yeah, like yeah. Bill Murray, the deity. Like <laughs> that's funny. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> okay, all right, all right. Um, what is your favorite race to play and why? Jeff, would you like to answer this one first? Sure. Um, although I do like the turtle. Mm-hmm. I do like the turtle. It's a little new. It's hard to pass such a strong judgment. Right. <laughs> it, it is new and it is, it's not, it's not exactly how I'd make a turtle, a turtle race. Sure. It's not, it's not my ideal turtle race. My favorite race to play has always been Warforged. Mm-hmm. Warforged from the Eberron, uh, Eberron uh, campaign setting. Just ever, like, Ever since the Eberron book came out, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, obviously I want to play the robot. Of course, <laughs> like, of course. Like, why wouldn't you, who wouldn't want to play a robot <laughs> in a D&D setting? Um, I, but I also like, I liked, I like the story of them because it's like they, like they, they were only, they've only been around for so long because they were built for a war that like came and went. Mm-hmm. And so now there's just a bunch of them that are just kind of like, well, we were built for war and now there's not as much war anymore what do we do? Yeah. And then so like, you know, some people use them as like, you know, labor and like other people just use them as soldiers and stuff like that. So there's all like the, and then there's like the, you know, Warforged rights and like, are, <laughs> are they living or are they not? And I like, I like the, I liked the, um, I like the thing where they explain like, there was like a judgment passed that like, yes, they technically, they do have a soul because raised dead works on them or something like that. <laughs> okay. It, it was something to that effect where it was like, they, there was like some big trial as to whether or not 
like Warforged were considered living mm-hmm. in the in the Eberron world, and like they were like, well, like a cleric can cast a raised dead spell on a dead on a dead Warforged, and it comes back to life. Therefore, there must be something yeah. alive in there. Otherwise, the deity wouldn't have you know brought it back or whatever. Man, how crazy would law be? If magic existed. <laughs> right? It's like, well, we got to give them rights because this magic spell treats them the same as it treats everybody else. Well, Gabe, there's a thing called science. That's okay. Good point. Good <laughs> point. There's a thing called science and there's there are like scientific laws and facts and things like that that laws should be based on. But, you know, we'll <laughs> for, for another, right, po- right. for another, another podcast. Another episode. <laughs> so, but yeah, Warforged, Robots. Uh, and they're just, I, they're so, to me, they're so lovable. Sure, I don't know. Sure. I just want to hold them. So do you ever take like the, you ever take a Warforge and make them a druid so they're like a robot in disguise type of thing? Absolutely. Because that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, like I, one of, um, there, there's a piece of, there's a piece of art. I couldn't tell you the, the artist. I, I, if I, I had to go, I had to go look at it again, but there's just this little piece of art somebody made that I use as like an avatar on some, on some websites sometimes, like on forums and stuff. And it's just a Warforged uh, druid. He's got like, he's got like branches growing over him and yeah. he's got, there's like a little bird in the branch that he's looking at or something. It's really cute. That's cool. I like, I like Warforged. Yeah. Uh, Justin, how about you? What's your favorite uh, player race? Honestly, I like, I like being a Goliath. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Goliaths are good. Just because... No matter what type of character I build with a Goliath, I always feel like just standing around is intimidating, and I feel like my character has this power just being in a room, like literal elephant in the room type of stuff, where he's got control over it no matter whether I'm a bard or whether I'm a barbarian or whether I'm a wizard. I mean, Goliath wizards, hilarious, by the way. Um, Sure. (laughs) But I've always liked it because um, I always would... Like when I would go to like a dwarven building or something, I would say, well, when I walk in, I hit my head, you know, stupid stuff like that. And I would always just take advantage of the fact that he's so tall. Um, So uh, where is your outhouse? I can't fit into that. So he would like rip the outhouse in half so he could, you know, go in the, you know, so stupid things like that because he's so big. And I've always loved stuff like that. So I'm going to go with Goliath. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to be the boring one and I'm going to say human. I always end up playing humans. I just, I like how they're, they're not great at anything, but they're not bad at anything. Very versatile. And especially if I'm going to be role playing, it's easy for me to get into the head of a human easier than if I wanted to get into the head of like an elf who's been living for 500 years. It's always hard to turn down a free feat too. Yeah. In the, in the most of the editions, you at least get some sort of free feat or or some variant of it. Yeah. I, yeah, it's very tempting, and like every time I'm every time I'm developing a character, I'm like, eh, if I could just start with this feat, it would I could make this character so much cooler. But then he would just be a human. Ugh. Yeah. All right. Next question is, what is your least favorite magic item? Yes, and I do have one here: uh, the bag of holding. <laughs> for a couple reasons. Number one, I mentioned earlier. Everybody has one. Sure. <laughs> everybody has one. We mentioned a few episodes ago, if there's an ability that everybody has, just just take it out. Sure, yeah. Either it... give it to everybody by default or take it out. Like, it, it shouldn't be something that everyone is going to have to spend resources on because then it should just be part of the game. Right, sure. Also, I think that especially in, like, you know, our, you know discussion boards on the internet... People get way too bogged down on the quote-unquote physics of how a bag of holding works 
and they forget the fact that it is a bag that is designed to hold things. <laughs> Every discussion about a bag of holding ends up being about, oh, well, what if you pour this much water into the bag of hold, or like you put the bag of holding under water, will it explode because it takes in too much water? No, it's a bag. A plastic bag underwater does not explode because it gets too much water in it. Because it is a bag. <laughs> the fact that it doesn't gain weight doesn't mean that it's not still a bag. <laughs> yes, there's some BS, quote-unquote, magic science whatever behind like oh it's an extra dimensional space and if it get, takes in too much weight it ruptures whatever but if i have a bag and i try to put too much water into that bag it's gonna spill over it's not gonna explode it's not even necessarily going to tear it's going to just overflow it'll just fill up <laughs> either the bag has a limit on how much weight it can carry or has a limit on how much space it can carry if, it, if the limit is based on the space, then that means, like, if you toss... The, I don't even know how to how to express this. There's, there's a limit of how much water can go into it. Therefore, if, if, if you drop it in the ocean, it will just take in that much water and then stop. I guess. Like, yeah. So, like, so like if, if it has this much cubic space in the middle, but it can hold this other amount of weight... People say, oh, that means if you pour water in, it's going to keep filling until it reaches the spatial limit. Therefore, it's going to get destroyed because that much water would weigh more than the limit. So what you're saying is that the it's not a gigantic space in there. It can expand to be a giant space in there. But if you put one gold coin into your bag of holding, you don't have to reach 10 feet down to get that gold coin. Because it is a bag. You can just reach in and it is there because it is a bag that you put a gold coin in. Therefore, if you were to put water in, I would imagine, unless it was designed by an idiot, I would imagine that the water would fill it up until it reached the limit and then it would spill over. If you tried to force water in there, I could see it exploding. It's just everybody's always looking for a way to destroy bags of holding by telling their players that, oh, no, no, it can't hold that much. Well, then why? How could I put it in there if it couldn't hold that much? I'm sorry. This is becoming an impromptu Gabe rants about something. But hey, Gabe, tell us how you really feel. Everyone forgets that a bag of holding is a bag. If it does not function as a bag, it is a useless magic item. It is a bag first. An extra dimensional space second. <laughs> What's that? Have you seen the stupid diagram contraption of a guy putting like a contraption on the end of an arrow with a bag yes. holding it? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is, I mean, that's a clever idea in keeping with what the rules have been put forward as. But like, I just think all this stuff about a bag of holding inside a bag of holding does this and so on. I just think people get so bogged down in the like physics, quote unquote, of a bag of holding, they miss the fact that Guys, it's a bag. <laughs> it's you put things in it yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't gain weight. That is what it is. <laughs> the extra dimensional space, the bag of holding and a bag of holding, those were just things that I'm guessing Gary Gygax or somebody else came up with on the spot to just tell a player, no, you can't do that. You can't have an infinite loop of bag of holdings by putting one inside another, then one inside another, and so on and so on. So they made up some BS rule about, oh, no, it, it blows up or whatever if you put a bag of holding in a bag of holding. But it makes everything worse. Guys, 
It's a bag. <laughs> Just let it be a bag. You, you put you put your lunch in it. Yes. There's a very important question here, Gabe. Yeah. Is it paper or plastic? <laughs> Ooh, it's man, that's a tough one. Canvas. I mean, it is canvas, but could there be a paper bag of holding? You take your canvas bags to the supermarket. Yeah, and it's paper, and it gets wet. Problem solved. It just disintegrates. Yeah, <laughs> I I have I have played with people and talked to people on online who interpreted the have the handy haversack because handy haversack has a special ability. That, like if you think of an item, it's automatically on top, so it's mm. easier to retrieve. I've had people interpret that to mean you cannot get an object out of it unless you know it's there, and it's like no. Oh. It is a bag. If I don't know that my keys are in this bag, if I am searching through this bag, I'll eventually find my keys whether I know they're there or not. Hey, Gabe, you know what? You've not you've not messed with my backpack. I know my keys are in there. I just can't get them out. It's just like, it, yes, I know it has all these bobs and whistles, but like, it is a bag. If it doesn't function as a bag... It is a worthless item. Anyway, sorry. So, Justin, what's your what's least your least favorite, favorite magic, magic item, Justin? <laughs> um, honestly, I, I'm going to be kind of bland here. I hate the items that are just plus one magic items. Um, yeah, sure, yeah. Not because they're just plus one, but because everyone just treats them as plus ones instead of trying to come up with a story of why is this item better. Like for a sure. plus one magic sword. Why oh, got a plus one magic sword? No, what you have is a sword that's been drenched in the blood of demons and has absorbed some of their energy or, or something. You know, something along those lines. The, the, the whole plus and minus one, the plus one thing needs, needs in my opinion, needs to go. But yeah, um, that's just me. <laughs> Yeah, no, I can I can totally get behind that. The the most boring magic item can be made awesome if you're willing to put in the work. People just don't do it. It's always just like, okay, you found a magic, found a plus one item, mm. you found a plus one sword. And I agree a hundred percent. But people aren't going to do that, so don't even put those in there. Just leave the other magic items that actually have really cool descriptions and sound awesome, and yeah, you just get yeah. rid of those. <laughs> yeah. What what if there weren't plus one magic items, but there were uh, frost brands or flame tongues? You know, like those those sorts of, of magic items that like they do something really, really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, just get rid of the ones that that that, that don't need to be there. Right hmm. now, like I've got nothing against them. I understand why they're there. Um, mm-hmm. But no, <laughs> I, I yeah. don't. You yeah, know, I, I agree. In my game, those aren't magic items. They are superior crafted items. A plus one's like a dwarven crafted. A plus two is like elven crafted or, or whatever. You know, it's mm. not magical. Yeah. <laughs> When we did our uh, our fourth edition Shackle City campaign a couple of years ago, um, that's what we did because fourth edition is much more utilitarian about what the magic items are. So like magic items, it is all it is a plus this and a plus that and so on because you have to have those pluses in order to play the game. So magic items don't feel like magic. So when we played, I told everybody like those are not magic items. Okay. Magic items don't conform to those types of rules at all. You'll get a plus one, whatever, but story-wise, it's not magic. It's just, you just have a sword that just lets you do something you already do, but do it a little better. Yeah. That's kind of why we went with the the crafting. If somebody crafts a sword, I'm going to give them a plus one to it because they put all this sure. time and effort into it. It needs to be better than the hunk of junk that they're buying from the, the rusty old 
Smith down the block, you know? Right, yeah. They gotta be a, a reason, you know, they have to have something they, they got out of it if they're gonna go through all that trouble. Or right. even, like, the legendary weapons, you know? Maybe the King Arthur sword is just a plus one magic sword, but it's got all this this lore behind it that makes it interesting. It's not just a plus one, it's Excalibur, you know? Sure, sure. So, anyways. Sorry, that's cool. not quite uh, the yeah. rant you had. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. It's fine. Uh, Jeff, you got a least favorite magic item? <sighs> I don't know. I keep... Bag of holding. Bag of oh, hold... that, I agree, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was gonna I was gonna say wands. Okay. Just because it's like a consumable thing. Yeah. And like, I like I like I like I like stuff that I can use. That's why I like the more mundane things because they they typically are like you can use them more often. Like something mm-hmm. that you, like something that's really simple, not that powerful, but you can use it all the time. You find ways to use it. You f- you're like if I can use this all the time, I want to find as many ways to use it as possible. Sure. If I got a one that's got three charges, I'm gonna hold on to that thing for dear life and you know hope I never have to use it and then never use it because what if I need it? What if I need it next time? Yeah. You know. So like I. And that's uh, like, and I try to. I've been trying to get away from from that in like in in playing video games with, with the consumables and stuff. I try to use them more often now, mm-hmm. but I st- I still have that dilemma every time. It's like, well, I always like I just kind of put them. I just put them in a in a, a bag of holding of some sort. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, what you treading on thin ice here? <laughs> Well, well, if that if that ice melts, we could just put it into the bag of holding. Anyway, Jeff, <laughs> I'm gonna puncture that bag of holding so fast. <laughs> so yeah, just uh, so I think wands, and then a stab. Uh, although stabs, I want to say usually have like uh, do stabs have re- recharging charges? Well, I think? fifth fifth, fifth edition, edition has wands are recharge at dawn now too, don't they? Well, yeah, they in in fifth edition hmm. wands have a certain number of charges per day, and sure. then those. those come back and then i if i'm not mistaken i think most of them if you use up the last charge there's a chance that it becomes non-magical am i or am i mixing that with something else i know staffs do if you consume the last one there's a chance you roll a d20 if it's a one like turns to Mm -hmm. ash but i think his point still stands though anything that yeah yeah no i i agree any anything that is like a number of charges it feels less special to me yeah i mean like it like it's usually something really cool and like you could use it. So like the like the ring of three wishes. Like yeah, it's the ring of three wishes. But I mean like you only get three wishes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You only use it three times. Right. So it's it, whether or not whether you know whether or not it's a wish or a or a magic missile spell. You're you're only going to be able to use this three times. Well, uh, I, I guess I should just hang on to this for emergencies. And then that emergency comes and goes, and you're like, oh, I had that thing in my bag. Oh, I could have used that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, like you're like, well, next time I'm definitely going to use it, and you end up using it on something <laughs> stupid, or you just forget about it completely. Exactly. Yeah. Um, quick pro tip, slight tangent. You ever mm-hmm. want to be pro at uh, any video games? Use all your short, your cooldowns and all your consumables. Because I'll tell you what, I become top tier player because I don't hold that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's. I could definitely uh, use some of that. Yeah. That's why I've been like, you know, definitely been. I've been getting better, at least in, at least in video games. I've been getting better at at using my consumables. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's that like I just I chant to myself, "Oh, I should use them." You know, it's my it's my that's my mantra. Yeah. All right. Next one is: What movie would you like to see made into an RPG? And conversely, what RPG would you like to see made into a movie? Yeah. 
Uh, you guys got uh, an answer? I do. Okay. Go for it. So as a movie, I'm only picking this movie because I love the book. Uh, the books is the Aragon series. Um, okay. I think that would be an amazing RPG uh, with the way the magic in the world works. And I don't know if you know how much you know about, if you know anything about that, but like in in that the magic is like based off of your even your just your thought so instead of trying to counter spells you're trying to counter somebody's thought process you know and i don't know in the world with the the dragons almost all being gone and being this rare magical beast and it's just it's such an amazing uh novel or series um and i think it would make an awesome rpg and i've would cool. love to do that. Yeah. Do you have a, an RPG you'd like to see made into a movie? I know that's that's probably the side of the question that I'm less excited to answer. Uh, Gamma World. <laughs> okay. Because I just want to see some worms kicking somebody's ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll say for, for RPG I'd like to see made into a movie, I would like to see a D&D movie done well. <laughs> but that's that's tough because uh, I mean D and D isn't a story; it is a medium. Right. Yeah. That's like saying I would love to see video game the movie. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Which, well, what's the story about? Um, as far as a movie, I would like to see made into an RPG. Goonies. Oh, oh sure, dude. Yeah. 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 Like yeah, Goonies tabletop would be pretty good. I mean, come on. There's like there's traps. Uh huh. There's uh, exploration. There's some role playing involved. I could definitely see that being made into like a like a like a like a decent board game or a card game or something like that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think. Well, the thing that popped into my mind isn't actually a movie at all. It's a video game. Gosh. I mean, <laughs> go for it. Well, okay. Um, I'll I'll twist it. I'll twist it so it works. Okay. Okay. So, uh, the video game series Monkey Island. Sure. I once I once tried to turn that into a D and D adventure, the 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 first Monkey Island game, mm-hmm. and I was like, and as I was thinking of this, I was like, wait, Monkey Island is not a movie; it's a game. And I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> but but Pirates of the Caribbean is kind of based on Monkey Island in a way. Although I've heard somebody say that like they're both based on the same book, but if you look if you look at it, they're it's tech they're, like the there there there's some there's some theory as to that the uh, that that the um, uh, it, the Pirates of the Caribbean, at least parts of it, were inspired by the game, not necessarily the book that the game was inspired by. Oh, I see. And so, so you, what you can do is you can say Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean and wink, wink, and we will know that you mean <laughs> yeah. Monkey Island. Wink to the microphone. Yes. <laughs> so, but um, specifically, I liked uh, there, there's there's a mechanic in the first game where when you're when you're sword fighting. Mm-hmm. You don't like you're not like you're not playing a video game sword fighting like, you know, like reacting to you. Sure. You use insults. So like okay. insults and comebacks. So like an in, like an insult and comeback system, I think, would be kind of would be kind of a neat thing. Uh, so you basically like you start off, you learn like you learn sword fighting from like a from a guy on this island. And like he kind of tell, he tells you a couple of these insults. And so you have to kind of work with that. Um, and so like you come across other pirates and like they start throwing insults at you and then you use one of your, com- one of your two comebacks, you know, and they're like, that was dumb. And then, then they beat you or whatever. So yeah. then, but then like the next time you come across another guy, you use the insult that you, le- that you just learned oh. and then he'll, you know, he'll use a good comeback against you and beat you. And so, but, but now, you know, now, you know, the new insult and a new comeback. There you go. And then like, 
And so you learn, you basically memorize all these insults and all these comebacks and like you fight these guys and like, so you're, you're, you're matching, it's a matching game. So you're matching up insults with comebacks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But then you fight the sword master and Ooh. the sword master, she, like she's, she's so much better than you that like, you don't get to insult her. She's only insulting you, but she's you just using have comebacks and you just have comebacks. So you only have the comebacks that you learned. Mm-hmm. But she's using different insults, Ooh. so you have to like figure out what it, what comeback co- you know matches with her insults. So it's like a whole new list of insults that you have to you have to learn, and, and like but you have to you know you can only use the comebacks that you've learned. So like if there's some that you missed, and so she used one, if she insult used an insult that like you just don't have a comeback that works for, mm-hmm. like you know you'll lose against her. So I don't know, like that's that 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 was like that was a. I don't know. That was a fun time in my childhood playing that game and like learning all the, all the insults and comebacks to the monkey Island game. That sounds fun. I'm going to have to try that now. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, well, let's do a couple, let's do a couple quick ones here. What's your ideal group size? Justin four to five. Gabe three players plus a DM. Sure. Three. uh, Well, that's all I've ever really played. So that's good (laughs) for me too. (laughs) Okay. Um, favorite, uh, D and D themed video game. Ooh. Um, I mean, Tower of Doom was really, really good. Uh, I love Neverwinter Nights. Oh, dang. I should have said that one. Can yeah. I change my answer? <laughs> go, go ahead, because that was going to be my answer. Too. <laughs> okay. All right. Neverwinter Nights from all of us. They're, they're, they're uh, re-releasing Neverwinter Nights with like updated graphics. It's like the original one. Yep. Got to buy it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Uh, uh, like I only recently played, I played the like expansions and stuff. They're pretty, they're pretty nice. Yeah. But yeah, I played, I played the first, the first one like crazy. So if you could play the tabletop game of your choice with anyone living or dead, what would you play and who would you play it with? Um, I personally would say, uh, I would play with Jim Varney, the man who played Ernest in all of the Ernest movies. <laughs> I mean that completely unironically. <laughs> I am a huge fan of Jim Varney. Before I started my current job, I did an Ernest marathon where I watched every Ernest movie, every episode of Ernest's TV show, and every, uh, like a compilation of every commercial he was ever in. I even kept track of how many times he said, know what I mean? Because Jim Varney, from all accounts that I've read, was a brilliant person. He was like genius level intelligence, and he always got frustrated with fans because they thought he was this dumb yokel. Mm-hmm. wasn't i would love to play dungeons and dragons with jim varney because i am so interested in what characters he would play and how he would role play them <laughs> sure okay <laughs> how about you guys um wow it's not real uh chess with gary kasparov okay was he was he one of like the chess champions yes oh man i grew up lo- uh reading all about him and and that would be awesome cool are, are i've uh is it this is something i didn't know about you are you really good at chess uh, I would say I'm really good. I wouldn't say I'm great. I was on a chess team and stuff like that. Um, oh, good job! So cool. Yeah, that that would that would be really cool to go up against like one of the best people in the in the field. Yeah, and I wouldn't fall for the stupid four turn move thing. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I've fallen to that at least once. <laughs> oh, I can't think of anything. Oh, oh, you should play D and D with one of the hosts of Interparty Conference. <laughs> Not that Gabe guy though. Well, that that my my first my first Instagram would be like I'd play D and D with Gabe. Oh, Jeff, shucks. <laughs> we'll just, we'll you know that, that was gonna be my answer, but I didn't want to kiss too much ass tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I here's a here's a weird thing I just thought of. I would love to play a role playing game with my like with myself. Oh, because sure. I'm genuinely curious, and I'm sure like you guys would probably like to do the same with yourselves. I'm genuinely curious what it would be like to play with someone who has my exact same 
level of competence, whether that is high or low. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, it's good that you, you would be able to learn from yourself. Exactly. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I've always thought of that. Like if you could interact with an exact copy of yourself, like if you would learn anything or if it would just go in like a, it would be like an echo chamber or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, That'd if you're interested, um, the Night Squire is a solo D&D adventure. The Death okay. Knight, Death Knight Squire on DM's Guild, I think. I'll check that out. And I'll put that in the show notes. It's very cool. Um, I'll be having him on the show soon. So, How long are your play sessions? Uh, would you rather they be shorter or longer? Yeah. Um, I think generally when I'm not doing something for the library, our play sessions are probably like four or five hours. I would say like that's probably what I like them to be. They actually, come to think of it, usually go a lot longer than that. Yeah, I'd say I'd say like we, we intend them to be about four or five hours, at, and but like they can sometimes stretch to like eight Sure. Like sure. there were, there were a few, there were a few nights that we went for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I said they're usually four or five hours. That's not right at all. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm so, a three hours guy. Um, by the time everyone gets here and gets settled and we start playing three hour game times, I'm all I'm good for because it's hard hurting cats. Um, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you tend to, when you run a game like you, you get like really into everything. I can imagine that being really exhausting over time. I stand and I'm very animated. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Seating and snacks. What makes for a good, comfortable gaming environment? I, I would say um, the comfier the chairs, the worse. Okay. Like it's like when you have two. If your chair is too comfy, then you're not you're not going to be focused on the game. I just remember playing in Jay's basement. Like, yeah. Oh, the couch was so comfortable. The couch was comfortable. the The chairs were pretty comfortable, but like they were like armchairs. Mm-hmm. at a at a dining table basically yeah and so like you had to like you had to kind of sit up on the edge of this the chair so like in order to get the full comfiness of the chair you have to be sitting back in it and then there's no way that i'm gonna see the tabletop right you know right. like i'm not i'm not gonna be at attention when i'm sitting comfortably in that chair you know or be like i'd be like sitting sideways so like my legs are over one of the armrests or something <laughs> like that so yeah so like you don't want it to be too uncomfortable like not like you know don't sit on a stone bench oh, or anything. I was going to make you sit on Legos next time we played. <laughs> Tech. Um, Justin, how about you? Snacks. Yes. Okay. Um, snacks are important. Any any particular snacks that you think are ideal? Uh, I hate bags of chips, honestly, because they're loud and distracting. And sure. they get your hands all greasy. Yeah. Right. I like like uh, nuts. Um, I think those are a perfect snack. They're not too loud. They're, you can put them in a big giant bowl for everyone to uh, to eat out of and kill your, uh, not allergy buddy. Um, so, <laughs> yep. <laughs> but yeah, um, nuts, okay. I think um, are a good one and it's not totally greasy and not terrible for you. Yeah. I, sure. I used to really like now and laters the candy, <laughs> but I cannot, I, it was the worst thing in the world to play D and D while eating them because no one can understand what I'm saying. Now and later. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe I'll put some audio of me actually eating a now and later yeah. in, into this. Yeah, yeah, it would. Yeah, always have a thing of now and later's yep. at every session. Yeah, um, but th- yeah, those are those are especially bad. Uh, I I love when there's just like something to drink nearby, like if there's mm-hmm. like two liters or something, something not too obtrusive that you can just whenever you need to drink, you know, because you know, keep caffeine and and whatever. Yeah. yeah. I wish I could um, show you this disaster that's next to me. That's just off screen. I've got like seven bottles on this lower shelf because I'm. <laughs> I'm lazy and I never take them all out. So there's just a bunch yeah. of water bottles down there that are empty. Sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, in our, in our friend's basement, we used to play and uh, there was like, there, it, there was like a, like some ducting that kind of came down over the table and there was a little bit of space between the ceiling 
and the ducting. And we like whenever we'd finish a two liter bottle, just we'd stick, it up, stick it up there. So there was just like a little row of them. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love to drink, uh, to drink soda while we're playing, you know, like in, in my basement, I have a, a little mini fridge that is perpetually full of RC Cola. Yep. Completely full of RC Cola. It's, it's actually quite empty right now. I need to, I need to refill. Oh, I was going to say, is it full because nobody else is drinking it or because you constantly keep I mean, it full? That's a, that's a, that's a part of it. It is mostly me, but when there's people over, people drink it <laughs> in, in, in my defense anyway. All right. And what is a character class or archetype that you never play and why do you never play it? Sure. Justin, you got one? Uh, yes. I don't like the warlock. Oh, no. <gasps> now, don't get me wrong. I understand all, all the, the merits and the benefits and all the, the mechanics of it and why it's cool. But no matter how many times I played the warlock, I always felt that I was shrugged into pushing out Eldritch Blasts. Oh, and sure. while there's nothing wrong with that, it's simple and it's easy to deal with. To me, and, and it could just be me, I didn't... F- I didn't feel like I had a lot of room to be creative other than describing how it looks like flaming skulls coming at you, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But that's just me. Um, Though the Hexblade is pretty cool now, so... (laughs) Yeah, the Hexblade is... is, uh... But because of that, I don't generally play Warlocks. I did a couple times just so when I got to the part in my show where I talked about them, I had experience with them, but um, not something that I would probably play again. Yeah, mm. I can I can definitely see that. They they it's just that Eldritch Blast is like it's it is so easy to make it really powerful that yeah, I feel like every single warlock that's they're like, well, that's all I need to do. Right. Mm. And, and mm. for a new player, that might that could that could be great. It's simple. Sure. Here you go. Just cast Eldritch Blast. Yeah, somebody who just like really likes DBZ or something like that. They're like, yeah, <laughs> right, I just right. shoot energy blasts all the time. That's all that's all I want to do anyway. Yeah. Uh Jeff, do you got one? Um, I guess I guess Archmage like just I I really play like full blown spellcasters. Like I li- I like the warlock because it's more it's more simplified and you can do things more often. Like mm-hmm. again with my thing with magical items, I like having this like a co- like a handful of things that you can do, but you can do them all the time. They might not be as powerful, right? Or you know or, or you know you might not have they might not be useful in every situation, but because you can use them all the time, you can you know figure out a way to use them. Yeah. So like a a like a full like spell a straight caster. caster a straight caster um i like i i typically like i always i, I like the idea because i like the ha- idea of having all these things to my you know to my dispo at my disposal but like i just i never i don't know i like i can't bring myself to have too many choices i guess i don't mm-hmm. know yeah um i would say for me it anything that has to do with nature druids or rangers mm. You'll never see me playing a druid or a ranger <laughs> unless someone comes up with a really good character concept for one, because I, I I don't know why I just the idea of playing a nature based character does not interest me in the least, and I I don't know why that is, <laughs> but it just doesn't. I, I like I like ranger. One time I almost played a druid, and that was because it was this weird variant druid from Dragon Magazine that all of their powers, all their spells were based on metal. Rather than nature. Was it the urban druid? No, no. It was called like the metal master. It was something stupid sounding. Huh. But it was like, it was like a variant druid where all their abilities had been swapped out for metal versions. Huh. That sounds pretty I mean, cool. Yeah. So I, I don't know why, but uh, it it just nature-based classes do not interest me at all. Mm. Okay. Got it. Gabe hates tree huggers. I, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> hates bags and trees. I do. I do. I, I spe- Oh, bags of trees. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> I'm going to send a little gift to his house. He's going to open it. It'll be a paper bag with some plants in it. It's just no. a bunch of like twigs in it. My wife actually really likes gardening. So I, I think she would appreciate that. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I think that'll just about do it for uh, for this episode. Um, before we close out, Justin, do you want to tell everybody once again about Crit Academy? Yes. Uh, our show is a weekly Dungeons and Dragons podcast where the whole co- goal is to provide guidance to our heroes and deliver new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Um, we deliver new and reusable content for you to bring with your game tonight. Check us out. Every episode we give, what, five, six, how many on our tips and tricks do I have now? I don't even know anymore. Um, but we give player tips, DM tips, monster variants, character concepts every episode. Not only that, but you give away free stuff to your listeners. Oh, yeah. We bribe you. I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. We bribe you. <laughs> We've got uh, sponsors that allow us to give away some really amazing adventures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crit Academy is a great podcast. I recommend everybody check them out. Uh, all right. If anybody wanted to submit questions for us to discuss, items for the Dragon's Horde, or stories for the Funeral Pyre, please email us at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. For show notes, a running list of questions asked, and important links, go to interpartyconflict.com. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash interpartyconflict, or our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash interpartyconflict, where I post weekly discussion questions for you. We're also on Twitter, at inpartyconflict. We're on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, YouTube, anywhere you download podcasts. Please rate, review, subscribe, or just tell a friend. If you feel like donating, we have a PayPal donate button on our website. Anything you can give us would go towards making the show better. Also, head on over to audibletrial.com slash conflict and get yourself a free audiobook. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from. I guarantee you'll find something you like 100% for free. And if you take our short survey at bit.ly slash interpartyconflict, you can get two free printable board games courtesy of Mary and Tom over at hollandspiel.com. And our music is made by Boxcat Games from Nameless the Hackers RPG. So once again, Justin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so happy to have you. So happy to uh, celebrate our our anniversary with you here. Congratulations. Yeah. Woo! Thank you. All the all the ding noises. Ding ding ding. Everything. Gobble gobble gobble. <laughs> ding. <laughs> all right. Uh, and until next time, Jeff. Uh, wait, I had, I had some, I had something for this. Um...